0: Hey, what not the podcast? Pastor Wolf here. Happy Pentecost season to you. It's Monday of Pentecost. It's actually if Monday of Pentecost is actually a feast day, there's an octave of Pentecost. Anyway, here's a Sunday drive home from yesterday thinking about Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit works through vocation and office. This is in contrast to the modern way of thinking about the Holy Spirit is overthrowing office. I hope you enjoy it problem with the podcast is there's no real centralized place to leave comments, so if you want to jump into the conversation, maybe YouTube's the best. I think these things show up on the website. So hopefully it's enjoyable to you. Uh, thanks. God's peace be with you. Hey, Pentecost Sunday drive home. YouTube theologians. Good day. Do you see it still raining? It's crazy. Every time it rains, Carrie says, you're lucky. Not the water. Uh, Blessed Pentecost to you, I have a number of questions that I would love your help with. Number one, in John chapter 7, Jesus says that for those who believe in me, out of their hearts will flow rivers of living water, beautiful text, and then John tells us that Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet ascended. Mystery text. Now couple of questions. Number one, is the feast that Jesus is in Jerusalem for, when he says this, the Feast of Tabernacles? Pentecost. Is it Pentecost that Jesus is in Jerusalem for? I guess I could look it up, but I'd love your help. If someone knows that, put it in the comments. Question number two, does anyone know of any church fathers who comment helpfully about what Jesus means when he says, or what John means when he says that Jesus had not yet given the Spirit because he had not yet been glorified. And then, number three, does anyone have any helpful resources on why the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost? And I don't think it's because it's a five-day, ten-day round trip to heaven, right? Jesus leaves in five days and the Spirit takes five days to get there. I'm pretty sure that's not the reason. So, why is Pentecost the divinely appointed day for the restoration of the Holy Spirit to all flesh to all humanity I would love to have some resources on that too these are all things I've been noodling the last couple of days so that would be really helpful Uh, and so you can comment on those now okay so if you guys I'll give you a few thoughts on Pentecost Uh, so all the disciples are gathered And this is great. They're gathered. It's on Pentecost. Everybody's coming to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate the Pilgrim Fest, the Tabernacles in in Jerusalem, 50 days after, after Passover. And the Holy Spirit comes. It's the sound of a mighty rushing wind that people all over Jerusalem could hear. And so they gather together, and Peter and the apostles, who were before this, locked in the upper room, maybe because they were still afraid, we don't know. But now when the Holy Spirit comes, they're finally set apart for this apostolic office, and they start to preach, like Jesus promised. I will send the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I think it's one of the most wonderful things that we consider how the Holy Spirit comes in connection to office. In other words, the Holy Spirit comes so that we can start to do the things that God has called us to do. Start, never finish, but start. So the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles so they can be those who bear the name of Jesus into all the world. We have this, we, we sang, come Holy Spirit, Vine Creator, Spirit. Spiritus today and we sang the Luther Holy Spirit hymn today, it's beautiful, These and they remind me of my ordination and all these different ordinations because when you're putting, setting a man apart for the office, you pray that the Holy Spirit would come to him. And, and, And you say, okay, so this is always the question of ordination, so you go to an ordination and everyone's decked out in red and the whole church is decked out in red and everyone's praying for the Holy Spirit and the guys are laying hands on him saying, you know, Holy Spirit, come and fill this guy and bless this guy, and you think to yourself, did we call a guy who doesn't have the Holy Spirit to be our pastor? (laughs) No, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. The gift of baptism brings the Holy Spirit. The Spirit hovers over the waters. We're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. The mind of the flesh does not discern the things of the Spirit. So if we confess Christ, that means the Holy Spirit is there. He's given us faith and wisdom and courage and, and all of these sorts of things. So surely every Christian, no, it's true. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. So the, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us as God's temple. But then the Holy Spirit comes upon us for the, for the gifts of office. That's why last night we had the wedding, we laid hands on the bride and the bridegroom. that the Lord would bless them and that they would receive the Holy Spirit for their new office of husband and wife. And it's why we pray for the confirmants and bless them and pray that the Holy Spirit would come upon them like we did this morning so that they can enter into their office as public confessors of Christ as they come to the Lord's Supper and proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection till he comes again. It's why we lay hands on pastors when we're making them pastors and pray that the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit would come upon them for their office and their vocation of preaching. It's why we see in the Old Testament, most of the, 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 we see the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament, but one of the most frequent times that we see the Holy Spirit is in the book of Judges, and the Holy Spirit would come upon these guys, these judges, and what would they do? They would do their judging office, which mostly consisted of killing Philistines. <laughs> they were, this is, They had the office of wrecking house and the Holy Spirit would help them to do their office. So the Holy Spirit comes connected to our vocations. Now this is so, so important because we are tempted in the modern church, especially with the light and heavy charismatic movements, to think that the Holy Spirit comes apart from office. In fact, one of the most important verses to remember when it comes to discerning if the things that are claimed to be of the Holy Spirit are of the Holy Spirit is that ninth and last fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Someone's going to comment that I memorized that list from the new RSV. Hey. Sorry, it's true. That was the Bible version I was given in confirmation, all right, don't 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 be too hard on me. Love, joy, patience, and Self-control, this is what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. So if you see someone saying, I'm filled with the Spirit and also losing self-control, you're like, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's a different spirit, okay? So if someone's flopping around like a fish on the ground or barking like a dog or they can't stop laughing, that's not the Holy Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit brings the gift of self-control. The spirit of the prophets, how does Paul say it? The spirit of the prophets is a servant of the prophets. Oof, someone's better put that. You guys are going to have to have a lot of you guys are helping me a lot today in the comments. Someone will put that verse in the comments. The spirit of the prophets is in, ugh. in other words, the, the the prophet always has control. The prophet doesn't lose control. That's what marks of the Holy Spirit. But this modern Holy Spirit movement, this modern Pentecostal movement always wants to disconnect the Holy Spirit from our callings, from our vocations. That's the opposite of the Bible. So the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles and what happens? They begin to preach and not only just preach, they preach to all the world, like Jesus said. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. They immediately start bringing the gospel all the way to the ends of the earth because the ends of the earth had been gathered there in Jerusalem and they started preaching in all these languages. They didn't even know. It says, this is curious, and they heard them preaching in their own language. So there's some question about if they were speaking in another language or if they were just being heard in another language. Either way, the point is that these Galileans who only knew Galileish, We're speaking in all these other languages. People from every other country were hearing the marvelous works of God. It's just fantastic. And they become believers. There's so many thousands of them are baptized on that first day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, glorious. So they gather together, and they hear him preaching. And they're preaching in all these different languages. And the people in Jerusalem, some marveled, those are probably the ones that got baptized, and others said, they're drunk. And Peter says, Peter stands up, and he's going to give his his first, his inaugural sermon. And can you, and just imagine not knowing what Peter's going to preach, and so imagine, this might be some of you, you've read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're new students of the Bible, you haven't read Acts yet, and you know Peter. You know <laughs> you know how it's gone. Every time Peter started to preach before, and you're like, all right, what's going to happen now? <laughs> like, you remember the get behind me Satan, and you remember these might all forsake you, but I won't <laughs> forsake you, and you might remember, Lord, you know I love you, and you might, I mean... Peter if it's you let me go out of the boat and all <laughs> do you remember all these Peter stories like one person said he takes out one foot to put in the other <laughs> and you're like okay Peter's gonna say what's he gonna say and he preaches this beautiful sermon I mean he just knocks it out of the park but he starts out with this funny thing these guys aren't drunk he says <laughs> and how? what's his proof it's only nine in the morning he's like come back in an hour and a half and you, don't, you never know but it's only night in the, what he says, this, what you're seeing, is the promise of Joel chapter two fulfilled. Now Joel chapter two, you gotta go look at Joel. Marvelous little Joel. We're not 100% sure when Joel was, are we? Some, no, 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 it's Amos that we don't know. Joel we know, Joel was a, he must have been there with Isaiah. Someone correct me in the comments. Yeesh. And Joel says, it's come to pass in the latter days, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Those of you who are sending me church father quotations on John seven can also include church father quotations on Joel chapter two or Acts chapter two. And this promise on all flesh. Now I know that Martin Chemnitz talks about it so beautifully and he says look at this promise of Joel that the Holy Spirit which Adam and Eve had before the fall and lost in the fall is restored now by Jesus, by his incarnation And by his redemption. So that Jesus, the new man, is now the father of a new humanity, which is marked by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now let's just let that sink in. That, That one of the chief gifts that Jesus has given us is that as he's recreated humanity, remember, as in Adam all fell, so in Christ all will be made alive. All mankind fell, we sing, in Adam's fall, one common sin infests us all. But then in Christ now, all are made alive. That's Romans 4, Paul, or correct me if I'm wrong. Romans 4, all are made alive now in Christ. And part of that being made alive is having the Holy Spirit back, all flesh. That all flesh is the flesh of this new humanity in Christ so that the young men dream dreams and the old man see visions and the daughters prophesy and all this sort of stuff. Now, if you're reading Joel, if you're like, if you're waiting and Joel publishes his book at Jerusalem Publishing House or whatever and you you go and by to see what the prophet Joel has to say and you're reading that and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, Joel. You know who doesn't prophesy? The young men and the young women. And the old guys. You know who does prophesy, Joel? The prophets. That's who prophesy. All the other people, you know what they are? They're not prophets. <laughs> but Joel says, not in the latter days, not when the Spirit is restored to all flesh. And here's what I think that means in the Old Testament, the prophets would sit in the council of God, Jeremiah 23. My pastor Graff helped me with this. They'd sit in the council of God and they'd hear the conversation between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that conversation was always about the death and resurrection of Jesus and His kingdom. <laughs> and they'd listen in and then they'd report back. Here's what I heard when I was in the council of God. But now we don't need it anymore because we know what it is. We know what God's plan from the beginning is because because we confess it every day in the creed. It was the that Jesus was born of the virgin Mary that he suffered under Pontius Pilate that he was crucified died and was buried and he descended into hell he rose again on the 3rd day he ascended into heaven he sits at the right hand of God the Father this is the this is the eternal counsel of God and now everybody knows it the young men Dream dreams. The old men see visions. The mm-hmm. daughters prophesy. Even we had the kids today getting confirmed, and they all confessed the creed. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? Yes, I believe. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our mm-hmm. Lord. They confessed. They, they, the the fullness of the apostolic and prophetic preaching. They confessed. They were prophesying. How fantastic! Mm-hmm because they are part of this new humanity, possessing the spirit and the, and the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. Which is this beautiful gift of Pentecost. God be praised. There's this thing where Luther's talking about the antinomians And he says, the antinomians are good, uh, good Friday preachers, and they're good Easter Sunday preachers, but they're bad Pentecost preachers. And may God grant us the Spirit so that we are good at preaching all of these things, that Jesus has done all these things for us, and that amongst the greatest of his gifts is he sent us the Holy Spirit so that we can rejoice in this newness of life in the the, the fact that we are part of His body, which is this new humanity, the new creation, that we look back on death, (laughs) we look back on the Judgment Day. It happened already (laughs) for the Christian. And it's just life eternal waiting for us. That we live now, not in the flesh, but by the Spirit. And that the Lord is working in us so that we begin in our vocations to start to love and serve one another and and joyfully. Well, let's keep praying. Come Holy Spirit. Sunday drive. Did you know, by the way, that we're studying the Holy Spirit in the Worldwide Bible Class? That's on uh, Wednesday mornings, live, 10 o'clock Texas time. You can join us from wherever. We got people from all the different continents jumping in. So, Worldwide Bible Class, 10 a.m., uh, wolfmuller.co slash Bible for all the information. You can see the old ones. They're all kind of boring to watch, but when you're there, it's not boring. So, jump in on the Zoom live. That'd be great. And Wednesday Whatnots, how you keep up with all the stuff. WolfMuller.co slash Wednesday. Basically wolfmuleer.co has all the different stuff. Including a lot of Spanish articles now. That's kinda cool. Take a look.